is Popcorn for Breakfast back at you with another new episode. Kirk, you're freaking me out, man. Kirk's doing the... Hello, hello. <laughs> Kirk is uh, he's our co-host here. I'm completely discombobulated now because he's got his eye as close to the camera lens as humanly possible. It's like... <laughs> I don't know. It's like the eye of Sauron staring straight at me, and I don't like it. Um, but Kirk is here. I'm your other co-host, Cam. You know, I had a whole thing I was going to say about our show, and then you do you do this... And now I don't know anything. Is that well? Well, here's the thing. Is that really necessary? Is my question. I, I am always trying to plug the next thing we're doing, but at the beginning of the first thing that we're doing, every time, every time, I don't get that. <laughs> For 200 episodes, I have inconsistently done this at the beginning of. <laughs> yeah, every I was going to say not consistently, not consistently. <laughs> I have almost blue eyes. They're not quite like your rich Paul Newman blue, but they're kind of blue, but they're not green. They're kind of gray. So, you know, there's a movie that might be on Netflix that we might be reviewing this week that's kind of similar. We are definitely reviewing What's that? it. It definitely is on okay, Netflix yeah. and we definitely are reviewing it. So go ahead. Well, I wanted to tease them. No, just go ahead. Listen. Just, let's, let's, let's go. Just go ahead with it. Can I say it? Yes. Okay, we are reviewing the pale blue eye. <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. It's Thanks not a that. pirate movie, despite it's, that. It accent. sounds like a pirate movie, so now you're misleading. But yes, we are reviewing the pale blue eye after this episode, not in this episode. So, uh, way to be ahead of the game. I appreciate that. I do. You're always Thank one you. step ahead, sometimes two steps ahead. You never know. Um, you never know. You keep us on our toes here, but. We are reviewing that film this week. This episode is going to be what's popping, but here's the difference this week. We've got a little bit of a different schedule. Typically, we release some. Uh, uh, sorry, Blah. we review, release an episode on Tuesday and an episode on Thursday. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, January 18th, so we can't release an episode on Tuesday. So we're going to release an episode on Thursday. That will be this one, the what's popping movie and TV news episode, and then. We will release our review of The Pale Blue Eye, which is streaming on Netflix, this Friday. So you have until Friday to watch that movie and join us for our review. It'll be a great time. And I believe Kirk has a game in that review as well, so you can stick around to the end for that. But now for the reasoning, because we're, we're trying to be punctual on this show. You know, We're trying to set a good example, trying to be consistent, um, yes. not like Kirk's weird... Um, teasing reviews thing which is inconsistent we're trying to be actually consistent with our schedule released but <laughs> i was out of town this weekend and i was in vegas for a bachelor party which is something that i've never done before so yeah money was money was spent for sure how much i will not was, divulge was money earned back no no, money's never earned back. That like that's not how Vegas works. That's not. Like well, I should say one of the guys in our group had a big win. But the way that this works is that they try to get you to spend money as quickly as possible and they make it really fun to spend money. And so you spend through your money and if you end up winning some or in the early going, you're like, "Well, now I've got this extra money. I'm going to keep playing." And then you lose all that, and then you buy more chips, and then before you know it, it's game over. At least that's how it works for me. I don't know. Maybe other people have better luck 
than me, but that's how that goes. So even with the slots, you're like, yeah. oh man, I feel like this machine is close. I feel like this machine is close to, to giving a payout. And then you, you throw in $80 and then you're like, oh, just 20 more, just 20 more. And then it's just, it's all gone. It's all gone. So do not recommend yeah. doing that strategy, whatever that strategy is. Yeah. And yet so many people, so many people do it. I, I often, uh, I've been to Vegas two or three times. Uh, every time I go, I put a $20 bill through the machines and then yes. I cry back to my hotel room. Right. And I refuse to put any more unless I win any and I never win any cause I don't spend enough. So I'm yeah. not the gambling type, unfortunately. And fortunately. Yeah. So this was my first time like doing Vegas. Like I've been there for work and I've been there like passing through here and there, but I've never like stayed on the strip just to like be in Vegas, like doing the casinos and all that. And, I, and here's what I have to say about that. I owe Boz Lerman a small apology. And maybe, maybe I even need to put a small asterisk next to my review of Elvis. I'm not going to do that um, because I think I still think it's solid and I don't like admitting my own mistakes, but when you are in those casinos and you're walking around Vegas, you lose track of time and you lose track of, reality and, and your sense of direction and everything. And it's so disorienting. And the only thing I can equate it to is watching that movie Elvis by uh, Boz Lerman. It's disorienting. You're like, what just happened where I was, you know, 30 minutes ago. I don't know where I was. And that's what Vegas is like. So I have to say one of my chief complaints with that movie was how discombobulating it was, but maybe, you know, it's like, Form, form follows function, right? That's It's a movie about Vegas. It's got to feel like Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, one of you know Elvis's hit songs, has to be tied into the heartbeat and the, uh, the feeling, the atmosphere of that film. You're absolutely right. It really does. I, I don't even think that we really touched base on the, the theme of Vegas inside of his life, which was for such a long time and, and so many, so many big moments that are attached to Elvis. So yeah, wild. Yeah. So here just to rip the bandaid off, here's my apology to Boz. You got Vegas bang on right, right on the money. Don't get used to the apologies from me. This will be the last one. Okay? But that's, I have to concede. I at least have to concede that. But there was another thing that happened while I was in Vegas that I do want to talk about. And that was what is very confusingly being referred to as the second largest HBO premiere since Boardwalk Empire, which you may think, well, then Boardwalk Empire was bigger than this. And then they're like, no, the House of the Dragon was bigger than this. It's the second largest review, second largest premiere since Boardwalk Empire. So there was Boardwalk Empire. Then there was a bigger one, which was the House of the Dragon. And then there was this one, which is HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us, which um, if you're unfamiliar with The Last of Us, it is actually a video game series produced by Naughty Dog. They are two volumes into the game, uh, basically. I don't know if they will... I, I actually... I'm new to this franchise in terms of playing it. I started playing it in the last month because uh, I knew the show was coming and I got it for Christmas, but there are two games. I don't know if there will be more because I have to get farther in the story to figure out if there's even room for a third, and I'm trying not to get spoiled, but HBO released this show, and it was a huge hit. 4.7 million people turned in, tuned in on opening night to check out this show. Um, it's a very, very popular video game, and it has premiered to rave reviews, Kirk. Have you been hearing some of the, some of the things? I mean, people are 
people seem to be buzzing. Is that kind of what you're picking up? Yeah, I haven't heard a single bad thing about this, which is absolutely groundbreaking for a video game adaptation. I don't think we've had any good adaptation since, uh, you know, James Bond, Goldeneye. And that was the opposite. That was the movie, then the game. So this, this is quite the shock. This is quite the exciting time for this to be happening. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And we've, we've talked, we've certainly touched on it because we've reviewed movies based on video games. I mean, we reviewed Uncharted um, and there, there are more of these types of things coming. And I think there is a bit of a debate right now in terms of should video games be adapted to television? What is the right thing to do? Is, is um, a video game a medium of storytelling that you could equate to a novel, uh, a film, a television series? Like, is it is it on the same plane? And I know that Neil Druckmann, who is, um, you know, the creator of this world, The Last of Us, both the video game and the television series, kind of turned some heads when he did an interview and made some comments that made it sound like he, he thought that television was a superior storytelling medium. Um, so what's your, what's your take on that, Kirk? Like, do you think that where video games are at now, that there is necessarily a need to develop them into film or television? Like, is there, is there an advantage to doing that adaptation? I don't think there's ever a need, but I, I do understand. You said that was the creator of this video game said those comments. Yeah. He made, he made some comments. He had to, you know, backtrack and clarify a little bit, but basically he implied (laughs) that television was a more, it was a superior uh, storytelling medium. Yeah, which it is. It, it truly is because you get more eyeballs on it because not everyone is a video game player, much like myself. I'm not going to go pick up a, a PS5 or any other uh, apparatus of gaming <laughs> in order to play this. I'm going to wait for the for the series here. Um, it definitely is. It's kind of like a Broadway actor saying, oh, I love the stage more than the screen. You don't. The screen pays more and you get more eyeballs on it. Uh, there's different gives and takes to each, but really, uh, I, th- I think he's spot on with, with what he's saying. Uh, adaptations of uh, video games I think go for it because it's it's at least a stepping stone for those people those creators to get their stories out they obviously had a core story that they want to share and uh, what what better thing to do is storytelling in, in, in anyone's lives like that's all we talk about here Cam. we're just talking about storytelling yeah, all the time absolutely so. it's it's just it's storytelling but I I can see both sides of it. I like the point that you're making and that's the point I tend to agree with, which is that um, there's a bit of an accessibility barrier with gaming over any sort of other medium because gaming is a separate hobby all its own really and requires a set of, I don't know, soft, soft skills. (laughs) You know, I mean, anybody can do it truly, but only certain people do do it, but I guess you can make the same argument for books or, you know, stage shows or whatever. Not everybody goes to see a stage show. Um, not everyone can read. That's yeah, just a fact. Not everyone can read. So there, there is something about television and film being more accessible in terms of, like you said, more eyes can get on it. But I guess the argument is, does it need to be? Like, is is that <clears throat> is that alone reason enough to justify an adaptation? Now, here's where I'm at. I will concede that video game 
video gaming is a newer, less mature storytelling medium because the capabilities have lagged for so long. But now, like, here, here was my honest take watching this show, was I'm watching it and I'm looking for all the really cool scenes from the video game, and they did many of them. But did they do any of them better than the video game? I would say technically no, because the video game by its nature delivers a more immersive experience. You have control of the camera. You can look at what's happening around you. Like there's a scene where they're driving through the car, like right as the zombie, whatever apocalypse starts to hit and you're seeing all these different things. And in the game, you can kind of give yourself like a panning gyroscopic camera, but in the television show, you're limited to what they're showing you. Um, so I'm watching that going, "Mm, I don't know. I actually prefer the video game. So this was the first time where I've ever thought like, actually, I think the video game might be a superior storytelling medium for this. I don't know. It's, it's, it was a weird place that I found myself in, but like gaming is so sophisticated now that it's just very different. Um, but here's the other thing (laughs) that I saw a lot of. We have to stop with the, um, like, hyperbolous, or I guess it's hyperbolic, throwing out hot takes all the time. We have to stop. Like, everybody's just trying to get a sound clip. How many clips have you seen, Kirk, or tweets or whatever, of people call, already calling this one of the best pilots of all time? Because I've seen a billion of them. Yeah, it's like the Apple effect, right? Like, we have the best new phone on the market, the best iPhone ever. Yeah, you gotta stop. it's like everybody wants to just throw out this bold opinion. And it's like, why can't we just enjoy that this is a really good episode without having to already be like, this is one of the best pilots ever. I would argue like, can it even be that already? Because the first episode of a show, which is what they refer to when they say pilot, this is technically not a pilot, but don't get me started on that. Um, that's a whole other, that's semantics and it's a whole other thing. But the first episode of the TV show is only as good as the job it does setting up the show. So you kind of have to see how the rest of the show unfolds to properly grade it. Am I wrong there? Like I, that's how I view it is like, yeah, we can look back and say that the walking dead is an awesome pilot because of the way that it set up the story. I, at least that's my opinion. Yeah. But you have to get some more story to, make it count. I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I, I just, we need to stop being like, like how, how is it that the day after this thing comes out, I'm bombarded with tweets from various blue check marks being like, this is one of the greatest pilots of all time. I was like, Hey, this isn't a pilot episode. The series was already ordered to series before this episode was created. Okay. B yep. it wasn't a test episode. B we have no idea. It was a great first episode of a, what could be a great show, but we don't know. So just stop. It's the greatest episode. It's the greatest pilot <laughs> yes. ever seen, Cam. I just want to say that The Last of Us will go down in history as the best one ever. <laughs> Seriously. So, I don't know. That's my two cents. Rant over. Despite how I sounded there, being a bit of like a crotchety old grandpa about like video games being better than TV <laughs> and how people need to stop being sensationalist on Twitter. I did like I the episode. Say, I thought it was awesome. I would say you're a bitter crotchety grandson. In yeah. fact, with this generation, I think not so. a grandpa, a grandson, but it is, it is a good episode. Have you watched it yet, Kirk? I've not, I've not. I'm well, I think watching. it's right up your alley. I think it's right up your alley. 
Oh, that's good. I'm watching Hunters season two right now, mm. trying to get that wrapped up because it's the f- second and final season. But I do want to get this final. next. Yes, yes, it's a it's a product of COVID, unfortunately. So, well, you should definitely hit this because I think you loved The Walking Dead and you clung to it much longer than other people did. You used to tell me okay. like this show is very bad now, but I will continue <laughs> to watch. You know, you you said that for like years you're like the show is not good but i am here i will still watch it until it's done that's that is correct and i still the episodes the final episodes have premiered and i have not watched them out of fear for the grueling pain that it will be watching those final eight episodes or so uh this is what i need to fill my zombie void in my heart the last of us and pedro pascal i think it will be i think it will be so the last of us new episodes for anybody who's now interested in the show after my <laughs> glowing endorsement. I really did like it. I promise. I really did. You should check it out. But if you're not interested, it's, it's uh, on HBO and HBO Max uh, Sunday nights for the next few weeks. To recap, Cam's uh, opinion, best pilot episode ever. <laughs> Scoff. Best Put that in the pilot transcript. ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, come on. All right, let's get into some of this other stuff. So we got two trailers well one of them is is a trailer the other one is kind of not um and i didn't pop it up kirk do i need to pop it up for the sake of posterity or are you we know pop, are we i think that? i think we have to pop it up because we have a lot of new listeners and followers i would yes. love to pop it up for them specifically let's do it let's let's throw up a pop for for anybody who's new to the program we're so happy to have you let's pop it up and it's appropriate because <laughs> That was not news. What <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> that was me in the town square with a box with a soapbox. That was that's what that was. But yes. um, now we'll talk about real news and give real opinions, not just me being a crotchety old grandson. Okay, um, so we have two trailers. One is an actual trailer. The other one is a what I like to call a sizzle reel. It's not my term, but I like it. It sounds good, Kirk. It sounds like. It sounds like fajitas at Chili's when they bring it out of the kitchen. And I never order the fajitas, but I sure do like it when other people order the fajitas. It just really adds to the ambiance. When that sizzling pile of charcuterie board, I don't know what they carried on. Yeah, it's like like a block of wood, right? And it just, you hear it from miles away and everyone turns their head so fast to follow it. Even if that's not what they order, they just need to see it and hear it sizzle at the same time. It's just so <laughs> it's enticing. True. It is. And I like to think I that the, I like to think that the fajita people don't actually eat it. They just do it because they are chronic attention seekers and they want yes. the, they want to feel the, the power and it, I, yes. I get it. It's appealing. It's appealing. But, um, the, we, the waiter comes back and they says, sir, how was your fajita? And they said, I don't actually eat the fajita. <laughs> it's strictly for my power. I feast, over this restaurant. I feast on other people's attention. That's what I, that's what I'm satiated by. It powers me. <laughs> All of that to say that we got the Netflix equivalent of Chili's fajitas today, which was their <laughs> 2023 sizzle reel. So uh, between our real trailer and the sizzle reel, Kirk, I think we should start with the sizzle reel since we just teased it so hard. Please Let's give do me it. the sizzle. Let's fire it up. So Can you make the sizzle noise behind this the entire time? No, I'm going to run out of air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they did this last year. <laughs> That's it, perfect. That's or they did it. So perfect. They did it. Was it? I mean, they did it last year, but 
the first year I remember doing it, them doing it was the year where they were like a new Netflix movie every single week, which I, which I think is still one of their commitments, but they don't explicitly say that in this one. Um, but we got a, a first look at a bunch of new films and what they're, they're calling this like a save the date. So we got Kenya Barris's you people. We've got your place or mine with, is that Ashton Kutcher? And is that, who is that? Reese Witherspoon? Was it, was Kristen it Bell? Alice Eve? It's definitely Ashton Kutcher. I, <laughs> I think it might be. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Anyway, but we, get, uh, we get yeah. the Luther movie. We get this movie called the mother extraction Two. um, the, uh, what's murder mystery Two? this movie called they clone Tyrone, yeah. um, with John Boyega, Jamie Foxx and Tiana Paris, heart of stone with, um, who is that? Jamie Dornan and, um, Gal, Gal Gadot. Gadot. Yeah. Then it we is. get a Kevin Hart movie called lift a movie called damsel that appears to star, uh, Millie Bobby Brown pain hustlers, which is Emily Blunt and Chris Evans. Um, the killer, which is uh, Michael Fassbender, yeah, and um, a few others. A Family Affair with Nicole Kidman, Rebel Moon, which we'll talk about it. That's that's uh, Zack Snyder's movie. An animated film called Leo that appears to be about like an iguana or a chameleon or something. Um, and then this uh, Mahershala Ali, Julia Roberts movie called Yeah. What is it called? Leave the Leave. I don't know. I missed it. Leave the world or something. Leave like the that. world behind. Leave yeah. the world behind. So that's, those are all the big movies. Um, so I want to know, Kirk, we got a, some of these things were first looks like extraction Two. uh, really, really starting after you people were pretty much all first looks based on what you've seen in the sizzle reel. What is on this that, uh, has you pumped up right now? Yeah, to correct my guess at Alice Eve, it was 100% correct on your side, Reese Witherspoon, Okay, in that Ashton Kutcher uh, romance movie, which looks terrible. And to speak further on that, I believe that (laughs) (laughs) until we hit Extraction 2, which was June or July, we are 0 for like 10. June, yeah. um, I mean, it it just looks up. Those opening ones for the first half of the year. I'm, I'm sorry, Netflix. I, I'm not someone to call Netflix out on their creative licensing and someone who's like, oh, here goes Netflix. They're just sabotaging their whole uh, prestige. Like, no, those are really, they look bad. They just honestly look bad. And I'm someone who loves diving into some of those original films, knowing that they're not going to be cinema, but knowing that I'm going to enjoy them to some degree. Those don't look enjoyable in the slightest. I'm so sad. I'm so, so sad. Well, they're falling into, I'm glad you said that because I feel like some of these feel like a pattern in a way, you know, there's like, there's always a Jamie Foxx movie, a Kevin Hart movie, a Millie Bobby Brown movie. And, uh, oh, there was another one I was thinking of Kevin Hart, Gal Gadot. There's those, those guys are all, they like so far as, as long as the original, film thing has happened. Even Chris Hemsworth actually, because he had Spiderhead last year, but those guys always appear and they're some of Netflix's favorites, which is probably based on data. They're just trying to find like the most well-liked people because they're, you know, Netflix is like, I just picture Netflix headquarters is just like one robot. Who's just like beep, boop, beep, like Gal Gadot, Jamie Foxx will generate the best results. You know, like it, that's basically 
how I view it. Um, I know yeah, it's Netflix's actually, office is actually just the severance <laughs> office. That's what it was based on a true story. Yeah, that's right. It's actually just a, it's just a, a, a bunch of servers in the middle of the desert somewhere. There's actually yeah. no people who work there, which explains why their marketing is, is God awful. But, and they're looking at those computers. They're actually, you know, we only see them as numbers, but they're actually floating faces of celebrities. Like, I feel good about that one. And, oh, oh no, not Kevin Spacey. Bad, bad number. Yeah, you bad know. number. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it feels like they're falling into a pattern. And it's like, well, every Gal Gadot movie that's been on Netflix has been bad. Um, yes. Most of the Jamie Foxx movies that have been on Netflix have been bad or only kind of good. You know, like Day Shift was not good. Project Power was only kind of good. Um, yep. Chris Hemsworth, mixed results. Like Extraction, I, I had fun with it, but I also feel like the ending sucks and the ending is the reason why there's an Extraction too. <laughs> so, I... <laughs> <laughs> and like the fact that the Anol the sorry I just almost called her Anol Holmes the fact that the Millie Bobby Brown movie is like called Damsel tells you everything you need to know about that movie based on what's there so I I I tend to agree it's like we're falling into a weird pattern of like not good things that are happening and and the fact that Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon gets like a big chunk of time in this sizzle reel gives me real concerns because I'm done trusting Zack Snyder. I'm I've, I've turned the page there. Like he, I got myself excited for the zombie movie. I can't even remember what it's called anymore, but I let myself get excited about it because I thought the trailers looked good. I, I like zombie content. I just thought it was going to be a good time. Um, yeah. And it was awful. It was just, just so bad. So, so awful. Neither of us can remember the name. All I remember is Dave Batista is in it. Dave That's Batista. It. Yeah. Recall. Dave Batista is in it. Oh man. I'll never remember the name. <laughs> Last of the zombies. It's in Vegas. Uh, Vegas zombies. Uh, <laughs> Night of the living Vegas zombies. <laughs> Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I could sit here all day and I'll never come up with it. Anyway, here's what's here's how how little this movie matters. Neither of us have gone to IMDb to fact check. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're just like, you know what? Let it let it fade away. Let it fade away care. into irrelevance because that's where it deserves to live forever. Um, that is so true. That's such a great observation. But is there anything in this slate that has you fired up? I would say that uh, that Julie Roberts Mahershala film that looks interesting. It Leave looks the like world a cyber, behind. Yeah, like a cyber attack that breaks the infrastructure of the world because we've relied too much on technology. That's what I get from those few seconds. Um, Extraction two. I'll watch it though. He should have died at the end of the first one. There's no yes. chance he'd be alive. No with, chance in, unless he was paralyzed completely. Like he was absolutely destroyed. Um. Yeah, those are the ones that really stick out to me the most. And Rebel Moon, we will hate watch and review at the end of next year, I think. I think we will. I think we will. Um, I'm done trusting him. If he if he makes a great movie, I mean, they've I've heard about I've been hearing about Rebel Moon for a zillion billion years. So if it's if it turns out to be good, as much hype as there has been around it, then maybe that will that will be redemption. I'll I will extend the olive branch. But um, he's I've been hurt by you too many times, Zack Snyder. I can't I can't do this again. <laughs> I would add one more to your list, which is that Pain Hustlers movie with Emily Blunt yes. and Chris Evans. I know nothing about it, but I I know that I love Emily Blunt. I think she is like insanely underrated, insanely yeah. underrated. Um, 
probably just because she doesn't work as much as she used to because she's busy like being an actual human um <laughs> you know kind of like john krasinski doesn't work as much as he used to as well it seems like you know um, yeah, they've got a young family, yeah, you know, and, exactly. they, and that's good. They, uh, they travel. I think, I think they have a house in, they definitely have one house in London or in the UK. Yeah. I've heard them talk about that and, uh, probably eight other houses across yeah, the Yeah. I mean, at this so, point, so they're mostly traveling between houses. <laughs> they can't actually have time to film their movies and TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. But that one does look good. Um, so we'll see what happens. Netflix. It's, you know, you got to prove it. You got to prove it. You're, your uh, your borrowed time is over, man. You got to actually put some put some pedal to the metal now. Okay, let's talk about the other trailer, the actual real trailer that we got, which is a very exciting trailer, and it's not a teaser; it's a full blown trailer, and that is for the Mandalorian season three, which releases March first. They like to do this Disney Plus about a, a month and a half before a new series launches. They'll finally give you the full trailer, you know, like forty five days before it releases. Um, holy moly is what I have to say about this trailer. There is a ton to sink your teeth into if you are a Star Wars fan here, um, or even just a fan of the Mandalorian. Like if you became a Star Wars fan via the Mandalorian, which I think there are a few people out there who fall into that category. Um, I mean, we got, we, we got a, a creature that looks like salacious B crumb, which is one of the most legendary star Wars characters, as far as I'm concerned ever, because his name is salacious crumb. And he looks like a, <laughs> a giant rat gremlin person, which I love. Um, we see like basically Din Djarin is, is now, you know, after the events of book of Boba Fett, he's kind of training Grogu to be a, you know, a Mandalorian, like a force using Mandalorian. So that's really cool. Um, you kind of hear him talking about Mandalore. Um, there's a ton of action. There's a ton of scale. He talks about how he's going back to Mandalore to, you know, get basically penance for his, his crimes to kind of reconcile and, and to, to receive whatever it is, punishment, forgiveness, whatever. Um, there's a guy who looks like Babu Frick. There's what appear to be some Jedi flashbacks from like the Clone Wars era. Um, yeah. There's just a ton, a ton here. Um, so, Kirk, your thoughts on this trailer? How, how does this have you feeling heading into season three in a couple of uh, weeks here? couple of opinions. I am excited. Number one, overall, overarching, I am excited about this, about March 1st. I am not excited, and I hope that they kill this character off. This sounds very cruel, but the actor who plays the the repair shop woman. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. I just cannot no. stand her. Like, it's almost like they really wanted Tignataru to, to go in and be that character. <laughs> no. And she wasn't available. Like, it's, it's such a weird, just unpleasant character that gets way too much screen time. And I know that's so specific to No, no, this is great. show, but oh my gosh, it drives me crazy. I love that this is your take. I love that this is your take because I could not be more on the uh, opposite side of this. Like, oh no. Do you like her? I do and here's why. Here's why, Kirk. Because she is hilariously Star Wars. Like the bad acting, the campiness of it all. To me, it is just so 
it's like Star Wars Holiday Special. It's it's like original trilogy. There's that one character who gives a line read that you're just like, oh, what was that? I don't know. There's something beautifully nostalgic about that character. And I'm like, bang that drum all day long, John Favreau. I am here for it. I am here for it. I think it would work if she wasn't paired up with Pedro Pascal because you don't get any other facial expressions whenever she is in a scene because he's got his helmet on. So when she comes onto the screen, she sucks the energy out of the entire series. Yes. Not the episode, not the season, the entire series. (laughs) The entire series. Unbelievable (laughs) critique from Kirk here. Just spitting fire right now. I mean, I... Sometimes I laugh at how much I hate a character. Like if I'm on my, if I'm sitting and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate this person. I find it hysterical <laughs> how much you hate this character. This is, this is very funny to me. I, I love this. And I will, I will giggle, hate, laugh like, oh my gosh, she's back. And I will just giggle while I'm eating my Cheetos on my couch. Like it's that, it's that simple. So that's my second take. And um, I'm excited to see what kind of uh, ninja um, uh, Attack of the Clones, Grogu, Yoda <laughs> moves that we get as we get a brief glimpse as he's like throwing this kind of greenish monster, greenish gray monster out of a cave, which looks really fun, really fun. Yes, to all of that. Um, I, except for the thing about the 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 mechanic lady with the afro, I'm I'm against you on that. <laughs> but I I I look forward to having this debate in the future many more times. This yeah. is my new favorite thing. But um, I've lost my train of thought now. I'm excited what do you about hate this. the most about the Mandalorian. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. I don't I don't hate anything about this trailer. They hit. They checked all my boxes. Mechanic lady, salacious crumb. <laughs> Babu Frick. I'm like, yes, yes, and yes, I'm here for all of it. Um, but I think I'm excited about this, the idea that, like, okay, so Grogu was how old when we met him? Like 50 years old and yes. was already known as, like, a Force-sensitive Jedi protege type deal. So whatever we're seeing there with regard to the Jedi, it clearly appears to be the Jedi Temple back in its heyday, has to be pre-Clone Wars. Could it be, is it, as many are theorizing, an Order 66 flashback? Is is Grogu using the Force to tap into memories he didn't, he wasn't previously aware of about Order 66? Because that could be cool. That could be real cool. Yeah, like, uh, like his ancestors are, maybe that's why Yoda was so wise. They were communicating uh, from the from the great beyond, you know. Yeah, it could That's be a very real possibility. You know what else I love about this cam? To interrupt again, is that when I first watched it, I was like, "Oh, great!" You know, he's kind of separated himself from the Mandalorian. He's kind yes. of like paving his own way. Yes, and now he's going to pay tribute to. But I kind of like it because no matter what religion you might be, no matter what higher being you might believe in, there is always a sense of gravity towards something. And yes. even though we have Pedro Pascal, who is kind of, uh, you know, drawn his line in the sand and he said, I, I'm not going to follow all of the rules. I'm going to do what's right. Here we are. And he is going back to this, this place of origin to, to understand it better, to understand himself better, to place himself in in this universe in this galaxy so i do love that concept that and as soon as i first saw it play i was like kind of scoffing myself a little bit i'm like wait a second wait a second 
this is actually really good storytelling, really good yeah, story writing. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, really. Like, not to be cheesy about it, but it, it is beautiful because this whole story, the, the thesis behind it is is a really touching story about found family, that Din yeah. Djarin was nothing, nobody, you know, but he was picked up by people who cared to take a second, to take him under his wing, and he became something. He became, you know, for better or worse, he became a Mandalorian bounty hunter, and that meant everything to him until that rubbed up against his quest to kind of save Grogu, which was close to his heart because he felt like he had to do it. He was a foundling, you know, he had to do this thing. And the, the Mandalorian way is not perfect. Just like every, you know, sect of every different religion has different rules and, and, and guidance and and things like that. It's all very, it's all based on, you know, mortal understanding and, and it's flawed and right. there are there are issues with it. I, I think it's really lovely. So I'm glad you pointed that out. I think I think it could be really cool. Like I'm glad that he's going back to Mandalore. Let's build out that lore more and uh rebuild it. It may be, you know, like tr- put the Mandalorian people on a new path toward the future with maybe, you know, Din as the you know, the kind of leader of this new movement. I don't know. It's, it seems pretty cool. It could be cool. It could be cool. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. So that comes March 1st. We will be anxiously awaiting that. I mean, I think coming off of, of Andor, I'm, I'm so excited for more star Wars, anything. And I know the bad batch is going on, but with that being in the, the animated realm, but that still feels very, even though canonically they're tied uh, very closely, it still just feels different. Um, so I'm more, I'm ready for more, live action star Wars. I'm chomping at the bit. Yes. All right. Out of trailer land and back into movie and TV news, more specifically TV news because, well, I guess this is movie and TV news. It was on TV, but it's actually movie news more so, which is we had two award shows last week. Um, Instead of what's popping last week, we did a golden globes preview because the golden globes were on Tuesday, but then over the weekend, there were the Critics' Choice Awards. Um, the I think it was only the 28th annual Critics' Choice Awards versus the 80th Golden Globe Awards. But what caught my interest, Kirk, and I know you were all over this because I saw you posting about it on social media, um, stark differences between these two awards in terms of winners. And that's not always the case, but I think it was us, I mean you really, who posted that the Critics' Choice Awards are more closely aligned with the Oscars traditionally than the Golden Globes. They have something like a 73% um, uh, accuracy with the Oscars. Is that is that the correct stat, Kirk? That's right. 73% uh, accuracy, like one-to-one, uh, same selections in the past five years. Yeah. Yes. So, so they are one to watch. In addition to like the SAG Awards, which are coming up, yes, I, I yeah, haven't yeah. just given enough attention to the Critic Choice Awards, unfortunately. Well, I, w- was this the first year it was nationally televised? Because it was on the CW, and I don't think it's ever been on TV before. I'm not sure. I do. I, there was something that I, I, I saw today that Seth Rogen was roasting that CW had no nominations, but hosted <laughs> yeah. the event. They the one network. They were the one like powered network that didn't have a single nomination. <laughs> I don't know if that was, maybe they're going to do that every year. Like if you host, you get no nominations. We don't want any bias here. No, they should do, they should do it like the world cup where like, if you host, you automatically get a nomination. So then yes. it's like, then it's, <laughs> then it's like, and the awards for best television series drama. The nominees are Better Call Saul, Ozark, 
House of the Dragon, Riverdale. <laughs> Riverdale. You, you get that. Or The Flash, season eight. <laughs> You know? Green Arrow season 47. <laughs> oh man, that would be so swell. It's just like you're watching the World Cup and you're like, wait, guitars playing? Guitar? <laughs> How are they able to feel the team? You know, like uh, <laughs> there's like 10 people in that country. That's what it should be like. Um, oh, that's so great. Uh, I would love, I would love if they did that. But it's actually more hilarious that they didn't get a single nomination. Um, so here's what I want to talk about. We, we have the winners for both of these awards. As we head into the Oscars, which is which is the award show that we tend to most closely follow, it's the one that is the most, I don't know, iconic of all. It's the big awards. It's the big awards for film. When you look at these two, Kirk, which one of these more closely aligned with how you are viewing the 2022 slate of films as we head into the Oscars? It's so hard because I like things from both of them, Cam. I've been yes. going back and forth yeah. on this for so long. Uh, I I, I want to cherry pick from each, but I, I think I have to lean on the Critics' Choice Awards with the only exception that I just want Austin Butler to win over Brendan Fraser. And I know that sounds so mean, but I love both of them. And I just think, uh, I just think that Austin Butler... Uh, this this was the time, and I honestly I think that Brendan Fraser um, is a is a will win one day. I think that Brendan Fraser is on the path of of destruction of cleaning up every award. So I would say Critics Choice Award with an asterisk that I want Austin Butler to take the Best Actor away. Yeah, Brendan Fraser might be like now granted like move the window back more, but he might be on like the Anthony Hopkins track here, where you get like. Yeah. Though Anthony Hopkins didn't fall to irrelevance in the way that Brendan Fraser did. So this is quite an epic comeback for him. And I love that for him because he seems like just such a swell person and such a genuine guy. Um, yes. So I, I think it's beautiful. And, I, and ultimately, I kind of think that's why he won the Critics' Choice Award personally. Um, because critics love stories and storytelling because they're critics. And that's a great one. That's a, his, his, his renaissance and... Um, revitalization is a great story. So I, I, it's hard to not root for him. Um, but I do agree. Uh, as I've stated, I think Austin Butler is, is the rightful winner of the award. I just think what he did on Elvis is transformative to a different degree on a different level. Um, he, he imitated one of the most imitated guys ever and did it better than anyone has ever done it that we've seen. So it's, yes, it's uh, that's something that's something. So I am also in the same boat as critics choice awards because I, I was, you know, this is our first time talking since the golden globes. I was surprised by how the golden globes went down. Um, not necessarily surprised that the Fablemans won best motion picture drama, but certainly surprised that everything everywhere all at once lost to Banshees. It, did, it felt like, if Banshees was going to win a Best Picture award at any award show, it wouldn't be the Globes. That just felt so off-brand to me um, because of that that show's tendency to pick what's popular. Like, I, I just really felt like Everything Everywhere or Glass Onion were going to be the ones that were going to take that award. Um, and I still feel like Everything Everywhere All at Once is the most deserving of the award, even though Banshees is a great, great movie. Loved it. And there are so many... Um, well, there are, there are three or four really, really, really good movies at the top of um, what we presume will be 
nominated for the Oscars. But the fact that that won and the fact that um, Daniels won for directing, um, there are just a few things that went the Critics' Choice Awards way that I would have picked. So that's that's kind of where I'm lining up right now. Yep, yep, yep. Same, we'll find same, out same. soon because the Oscar nominations drop on January 24th, which is only six days from today, um, date of recording. So that's coming quick. I saw who was announcing it, but now I can't remember. It's Allison Williams Riz and Ahmed and someone else. Az uh, Allison Williams. It's Allison Williams and Riz Ahmed. Yeah. We, we filled in the gaps in each other's knowledge because I didn't know who <laughs> Allison Williams is with. Um, so yeah, that'll be a good time and we'll, we'll keep an eye on those. So we'll get to talk about Oscar noms next week. Good times. One quick thing, two quick things, actually. Yes. First of all, the Critics' Choice Awards logo, if you're watching or if you have a, a, a ability to quickly Google the Critics' Choice Awards logo, why are there only four stars? Why are there not five stars? There's not a single question. metric of movie rating that's four stars. It's not out there. It doesn't exist. There should be five stars, number one. Maybe. And number two. No, go ahead. Number two, why don't they have us host the Oscar oh, Awards uh, nomination? It. Because, hear me out, hear me out, listen. No one really, <laughs> I don't know if this is a demerit against us, <laughs> but no one really watches the actual awards. They're, they're looking at their phones. So why don't you give, like cycle it out to influencers and creators to announce those? And they don't have to have Both like, of which sticks. we are influencers and create i mean i guess we're creators oh yeah i certainly absolutely. don't view myself as an influencer oh we influence <laughs> several i think i'm a bad influence on everybody <laughs> around me so i i sure hope i'm not influencing anybody uh um, but but hear me out it would be an awesome op, uh, awesome opportunity to grow community of different film critics of any range of just mm. letting them make it like a lottery right like you put your sure. name in a hat they pull it out they say this is the person that's going to read the the, uh, the awards <laughs> vet them of course make sure they're I not I was going to say that sounds risky it sounds risky <laughs> They'll never pick us after this rant. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're, we're disqualified. Let us help. <laughs> but I think, I don't know, like Riz Ahmed, Allison Williams, wonderful, wonderful, but no one's going to watch them. No one, no one's going to watch them. They're looking for the tweet that tells them who their favorite that's nominees true. are coming out. That is so fair. That's they're, my, they're going to watch the discussing film Twitter thread is what they're going to watch. That's what I'm going to watch. Um, yes. Back to the four stars thing. <laughs> two possibilities yeah. just playing devil's advocate here because that's what i do one they're being self-aware and they're like our show is pretty good it's not great <laughs> it's not perfect but it's a pretty good award show it's not the oscars the oscars would be five stars we're four okay number two not being self-aware but just being like critics rarely give things five stars so these are the things oh. that we would give four star i don't know it's 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 not a good answer. I think you're right. I think it's a weird choice, but here we are. Here we are. Why are there? <laughs> yeah, well the whole just I'll look it up later. just report back on that. We don't need to do that live on the show. Okay. <laughs> Two quick things as we head out the door here for uh what's popping. Both are television, okay? So now we're moving into fully No, I lied. Dang it. Though one of them will probably be a streaming thing even though it's not a television series the first one is only murders in the building one of the hottest shows on planet earth um that continues to you know add to its cast every season has added the queen of all queens in the acting world the you know the the utmost 
Mommy, Mommy Streep, Meryl Streep is here on Only Murders in the Building Season 3. Joining Paul Rudd as another new addition. So that's that's two giant additions to this cast that already features very much uh, critically acclaimed leads in Selena Gomez, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. So Crazy. Big Crazy news. cast. Big news. And I uh, I watched season one and loved it. This is the weird thing, though. I'm getting I'm getting weirder and weirder as I age, Kirk. They dropped season two, and I was just like, ah, eh, not going to watch that. I have no idea why. I have no idea why. I still have yet to do it. It's just like, it's so bizarre. Like, it's such a toxic trait. Why would I do that? I'm like, oh, we, here's a show that I absolutely love. Season two is out. Nope, not watching that. I, I have no idea why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, especially something that lends itself to being good uh, and, and continuously episodic. I, I only watched the first episode of season one so far. Loved it. But it's kind of like, you know, how the bear should have been its own limited season, limited series. And now they're coming out with the second one. I agree. With I don't that. know if I'll watch that one. That made me angry that they're coming out with the season two. I know. But like this show even sets up season two very well. And like, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm such a weird person. I need to stop being so weird. But well, um, I'm gonna clockwork orange your eyes and <laughs> strap you to a chair. You and should. You I would appreciate that. Save me from myself and my own weird tendencies. But this should be exciting. I will catch up in time to watch Mommy Streep, um, Mommy Merrill. I don't know what we should call her. She's <laughs> she's the mother to us all, um, <laughs> and she has a daughter who is an actor um, and has been in some things. So. Yes. She really is mother. And she was in that movie Kramer versus Kramer where she was a mother. <laughs> so please name all the movies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Kirk. I'm getting there. Give me some time. Um, but I will, I will tune in for this when it, when it happens and you should too. Okay. That's all I have to say next. This, I, this is the one I mistakenly labeled as television news. It's actually a feature film. Um, a sequel to, Without Remorse, that starred Michael B. Jordan, which was a prime, prime Kirk Prime Video, Prime Video. It was. We, re- we reviewed this movie. It yes, was, it was a Prime Video release. We did. I, I can almost remember it. Um, <laughs> it's getting a sequel. Uh, you know, obviously, still starring John uh, John Clark, the main character in in Michael B. Jordan's portrayal of that character. I had no idea. I'm not a Tom Clancy head, so I didn't know that like Rainbow Six was the sequel to without remorse. It's like the next book in the series. Um, so this is like a glass onion kind of thing, I guess where like the next movie has a different title um, or James Bond. Bond does that every single time, but yeah. Uh, Jack Ryan does the same thing. Um, yes. Like the Jack Ryan's um, films and they don't even, I don't, I really don't think they title anything above it. Uh, Tom Clancy's does like everything of, of his properties that comes out. It's always Tom Clancy's so-and-so blah, 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 to like claim Perry. fame to it. It is like Tyler Perry. Yep. I would rather watch Tyler Perry's rainbow six. I think that would be exciting. I think um, where Michael B. Jordan still plays John Clark, but Tyler Perry plays every other character, good guy, Tyler. bad guy, every person who is helping and every person who's getting shot by Michael B. Jordan is Tyler Perry in a different costume. Yes. And then we have like a multiverse film, the third installment, where all of Eddie Murphy's uh, yes, the clumps the come clump, in. The clumps. And, and then the fourth one, we add the Norbit characters. Like, it gets crazy. It gets yes, crazy. Yes, and then we add the Muppets. 
Uh-huh. And then yes. we just start adding more and more comedic ensembles uh, yeah. as, as we go. I think that would be great. This is a great plan. I think we should. Uh, Did we like without remorse? I I have zero recollection. Like, did somebody hit me with a cast iron skillet after I watched this movie? I, I seriously, yeah. Like, like the Three Stooges. I cannot remember if I liked it or not. I don't recall it as well. I recall <laughs> it slightly more than you. We better not have liked it then, because if we can't even remember the the movie, then that means that it was not good. This is episode like 240 <laughs> or something, guys. Just hang with us. I'm just saying if the movie was even slightly good, it wouldn't, I don't know, we'd be able to remember it, surely. Like, I remember bits and pieces of it. I remember that his origin story is horrific. Mm. Like, what happens to his family. Sheesh. Mm. But Yeah, much like the terminal list. What you oh got going on there? Oh my gosh, man! Amazon video, come on, yeah. come on! It's all Let's this dad stuff. Out. It's it's all it's all of this dad drama stuff, which I am a huge sucker for. Like these, you know, Navy SEAL, covert ops, dad dramas. The family has to die horribly because I guess that's every dad's fi- biggest fear. Like you're, you know, society tells you you're supposed to protect your family. Like, what if you were away from home and they got killed by a bunch of covert <laughs> ops, Russian assassins, or something? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> when really what it comes down to is a budgetary issue that that's we can't right. afford to pay Michael B. Jordan and the supporting family yes, characters. That's right. It's really just budgeting. And the fact that Tom Clancy didn't want to write uh, and build out character arcs for all these different characters. So they just die immediately. And then he's just got Sorry. the one. Like, well, I guess they'll get shot in a foam raid. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So that's it. That's, that's all of the movie and TV news we have for you this week on what's popping. Unless there's anything I missed, Kirk. You missed nothing. Oh, I don't know why I said I. I should say we missed. Uh, I just meant like yeah. if there was anything we talked about talking about that we didn't talk about. Um, <laughs> next week we'll have the Oscar noms. But later this week, actually tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Thursday, January 19th, as Kirk gets ready for his close-up here, we'll be reviewing... <laughs> The Pale Blue Eye, which is on Netflix. The Right Eye. Hold on. The Pale Blue Right Eye, which is on Netflix. It is a uh, adaptation of a of a novel, actually, and it stars Christian Bale and Harry Melling. And Harry Melling's character is Edgar Allan Poe. So there's a lot of layers to this thing. Um, and the girl is Rafina from um, Oh Sing Street. Sing Street. Her character's Lucy name. Boynton. Is that her name? Lucy. Boynton. Her real name is Lucy Boynton. Her character name is Leah, Leah. Marquis. Leah Marqu- Marquez. Marquez. We watched this really closely. They call it, obviously. they say Marquis, but I would call it Marquis. Anyway, that's the film that we're reviewing this week. So homework, watch net, watch it on Netflix right now. The pale blue eye, go watch it. Then come back tomorrow or whatever day and uh, listen to our review of the pale blue eye. But yes, until that time, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. It's been great to have you if you're new to the program a special thanks to you and if you've been here for all 230 odd episodes an even bigger thanks to you um, but listen to this music by rhetoric on the way out and we want to give a special thanks to our executive producer ryan spriggs we will see you for our review of the pale blue eye talk to you then